Welcome. This is the Lady Leadership Podcast. Sam's goal is clear, helping as many women as she can meet their full potential in business and in life. Hi, this is Sam McIntyre, and in this season of the Lady Leadership Podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about how to get the most out of your career, whether you have your own business, whether you work in corporate, or whether you're just starting out, maybe you're finishing uni. So me and I look forward to sharing all my tips and hints on how to fast track your career. and welcome to the Lady Leadership Show. Now, super excited to have on the show someone that I know today and uh, have certainly spent some time working with. And so I'd like to introduce you to Colleen Callender. Colleen is, um, she has a track record in building brands, creating a winning culture and building an environment that allows people to be inspired and empowered. Colleen uh, has spent what, 20, 20 odd years at the um, Suzanne Group as CEO of Suzanne and CEO of Sports Girl, so two Australian iconic fashion brands, 30 years in retail, and most recently she's founded Mentor Me, a platform which Colleen mentors women for all different walks of life, and in her spare time she's written a new book. Welcome, Colleen. Thank you. So nice to see you, Sam. And I always feel very old when someone says 20 years in the Sports Girl Suzanne group and then says 30 years in retail. But you know what? That's what it's been. So I'm just going to have to own it, really. Yeah, well, look, that's exactly right. And I'm right there with you, Colleen. So, you know, I I, I think I started my career at a similar time. And um, yeah, someone someone recently on the podcast when I said something about thirty years, she was like, "That just means old." But I think we can we can reframe that as experienced and with wisdom. Exactly right. Exactly right. I'm going with that. Now you started, uh, and so I have read your great book, Leader by Design, and. Um, in the book, you mention learning your business acumen at the dinner table with your parents. Mm. Give us a little bit of insight into that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I was always very intrigued with people's behaviour and I was always very intrigued around business. And when I talk about my parents and my upbringing, it sort of frames a little bit of who I am and why I am, I suppose. So I'll share a little bit about that with you. So my father came to Australia from Italy when he was four years of age with his mother, brother, his father had already arrived, a couple of suitcases and a little bit of savings. And um, my mother came from a very different background. She was one of 12 children. Uh, she had an alcoholic father and her own mother passed away when she was just a, a child herself, really. She was 21 years of age. So I had this father who sort of came here, had to work really hard and establish a new life. And, and my mother who became a, a nurturer very, very young in her uh, in her age to care for siblings and, and myself and my brother. So I really credit a lot of who I am and what I do and who I've turned into and the woman I am to my parents, um, you know, their habits and genes from, from both of their, their backgrounds. But I love to work from a, a very, very young age. And I used to go to work with my father on the building site. I used to work in my parents' canteen all day and then sit there and count buckets of money all night. And my father used to say, you know, she's the canteen manager by day and she's my bank manager by night. And I was all of, you know, 12 years of age 
by this stage, but I was really intrigued by business and how businesses worked. So whenever there was a business meeting at home, um, I would sit there like this little invisible child and just listen and learn. And I wanted to know about rents and wages and money and turnover and how you made money and why was it important. And so I just became this little sponge from a very young age of, of wanting to know all things business. And I mean, I think that's great. And I think, you know, people who say, oh, don't talk about money, you know, I think that's not a great mentality. Talk about money, talk about how it's made, talk about, yeah. And I think like that, that hard work and that, you know, kind of coming, you know, coming from those backgrounds, you know, um, yeah, incredible. Yeah, it was. And I watched, you know, I watched my parents work really, really hard my whole life and worked really hard to put us through school and give us an education. I've got an older brother and a younger sister. Um, and that was something that my parents had, had, you know, not had the opportunity to have was an education. So it was quite an interesting discussion when I came home at the age of 16 after spending a summer, my first real job uh, outside of the family business um, at the end of summer and, and made this grand announcement that I was wasn't going back to school. Um, I was going to drop out. Um, I was 16, had finished year 11, and I wanted to go and work in fashion. And, you know, so that was a moment of, of much disappointment in that moment for both of them, um, given that they had worked so hard to give me what they hadn't had, which was an education. And But true to form, um, they are just the most incredible human beings. And true to form, uh, both of them said, be passionate, love what you do, work hard and never give up. And, um, you know, that they have been the words that I've taken through my entire life, not just in business, but in everything that I've applied myself to. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's, it's, did you... Did you know then, was it, you were passionate about fashion, you enjoyed doing it, you were good at it, and um, I think I read in the book like your succession from, uh, you know, starting out to store manager to, you know, regional manager or state manager, it was pretty, pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, it was. I um, I managed my first store when I was 18. Um, that was the local Justine, well, not the local, my local was Geelong, but I, I got offered the store out in Corio, which for those of your listeners that know Corio, it was probably the shittiest little store in the portfolio, but I loved it and it was mine. And I worked through the ranks. I, I realised very quickly that uh, people were my greatest asset and to be a success and to um, sort of move up that corporate ladder, I would do that through uh, results and through people. And I was quite a shy child. I wasn't an extrovert at all. I, I was quite the opposite. I was quite introverted. So I realised that I needed to get my results through, um, just sort of to be seen through results because um, there was a lot of loud people around me and that just wasn't me. So I worked really hard and I went from store manager to a larger store to an area manager. Um, I was state manager at the age of 24 for Victoria and had three direct reports. So I moved up the corporate ladder really quickly. But I, I actually didn't do it for that and I didn't even yeah. realise what I was doing it for. Um, and looking back on it, what I was doing it for was each promotion and each next step I took in my career gave me the opportunity to inspire and empower more people. Um, and I only realised that in recent years. I never realised that when I was doing it. I just loved what I did and I was going for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But really my whole ambition was around people. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And you've written about that a lot in the book as well. Um, 
And, you, you know, the themes I got out of the book were, you know, hard work, confidence, kindness, which is an interesting one which I want to talk about. And, um, you know, just that um, I also picked up, you know, the art of saying no as well. So, I mean, the book for listeners, it really kind of takes you through each of those, you know, principles like confidence, leadership, kindness, power of self, power of people. Talk to me a bit bit about the power of people then. Mm. Yeah, again, very early on, I realised that they were my greatest asset. And, you know, I was, again, very intrigued on the way people behaved. Why were some leaders kind and others cruel? Why did some leaders create environments of collaboration and others environments that were very destructive? Why were some people greedy and some people generous? So I was very intrigued on the way different people behaved. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, again, very early on in my career, and the title of my book is Leader by Design, is that I wanted to become a leader by design. I wanted to become a leader for the people. I wanted to become a leader that I wanted to have. I wanted to become a leader that people would choose to follow. And there's a really big difference today, Sam, and I'm sure we've we've both worked with lots of different leaders in our times. And, you know, there are a lot of people that work for leaders because they are the boss and because they are in a, uh, a role of authority and power and they tell people what to do. But the question is, would they really choose to follow them? And the answer, I think, in a lot of cases would be no. And yeah, so yeah, I wanted to be one they they chose to follow. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's um, um, oh, you know, I've I've come across some of those people you're talking about, and it's a bit like, okay, if they weren't the boss, would you actually listen to anything that's yeah. coming out of their mouth, really? Yeah. And Possibly not. And I, you know, I've talked about this in other podcasts. It's, you know, values leadership versus, um, you know, power leadership. So that values leadership of wanting to help people and wanting to help them in what they're doing and that ego power leadership of kind of sucking it up and wanting to do it all yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about hard work because you've worked hard. Yeah. (laughs) And so my question is then, you know, to, to climb that ladder, really, um, you know, how, how much of it, you know, is really sort of down to that hard work? And, you know, do you think, I often think it's, that's, you know, that, that starting an hour early or starting an hour late or taking on a special project or doing something, that's what gets you kind of up that, you know, the corporate chain, so to speak. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think very much in my earlier days, that's the way I approached it, exactly what you're saying. I was the first in, I was the last to leave. I said yes to everything. Um, I took on extra work, um, you know, all of those those um, things that would make you shine and get you recognised. And, you know, I wanted to be the best store and then I wanted to have the best area and then I wanted to win every competition. And I won the Kimberley Award, which was the most prestigious award at the age of 19 um, in the Just Group. So I was really out to prove myself through hard work. Um, So, yes, absolutely, Um, and and not that I didn't work hard my whole life, but I think what you realise as you grow and evolve as a person and particularly a leader and you become more self-aware of who you are, that you start to put a lot of that emphasis on others 
rather than yourself. Um, mm. You start to shine the spotlight on other people. You start to see results for other people. You start to um, see other people grow. And that that is really part of, you know, the joy of being a leader, I suppose. So, um, again, it doesn't mean you don't you don't keep working hard, but you just channel your energies, I think, in a, in a different way as you grow and evolve as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you kind of, you work out your boundaries as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that ability to influence the team. And, and so in the book, you talk about experiencing burnout as well. Mm, yes. Yeah, that was a big one for me. And I, I talk about that now as, as pretty much my gift. Um, it, it was 2007. I was 36 years of age and I had you know, three young children. Um, Macy was about two or three and, you know, Jake was 10 and Trent was nine. And I was general manager at the time at Sports Girl and I'd just been going and going and going. And I described myself in my book as a red Ferrari. And I still describe myself as a red Ferrari, but I was this red Ferrari that had never slowed down. I was going at 130 miles or k's an hour. Um, I'd never put fuel in my tank. I hadn't pumped up the tyres and I hadn't pulled into the pits for a service. I didn't know any of those rules or boundaries. I didn't know self-care. And so I literally just hit a wall. And I remember walking in and saying to my husband, which is very much my personality, I'm very black or white, um, I walked in and said, I'm done. Um, I literally had just hit burnout. And, you know, lucky for me, um, I, I got talked out of that idea. And instead, I took some time off. I took three and a half, nearly four months off. And I put that red Ferrari in for a very well overdue service. Uh, I got myself a coach. Um, I learned to say no. I put boundaries in place. I had never had any boundaries, none whatsoever. I learned what self-care looked like. I'd never had any self-care. I was a people pleaser and I took care of everyone else, including my family, my people, my friends, everyone I could. Um, and often as women, we do that and we put ourselves at the bottom of the list. So it was it was probably the best lesson, as I said, in self-care ever, because it made me live my life completely differently. And now I work with a lot of women. Um, and obviously through my book, my messaging through my book, I work with a lot of people to make sure that uh, if they are on that train to burnout, they recognize the signs um, and they start to make some of those changes so they don't end up in burnout town because it's not a great place to be. We are not at our best when we're there. Um, and we're certainly not serving ourselves well. And we definitely don't serve anyone else well when we are at, in that place. Oh, yeah, look, absolutely. And I think, you know, in those roles and in those senior roles, you know, often you walk into the toilet and someone's wanting to catch you for five minutes, you know, mm -hmm. or if they could, they would actually, you know, talk to you. I've had people talk to me outside the toilet stall. And so, um, you know, how is that, you know, saying no? What are some of the rules that you put in place for yourself to navigate that when everyone kind of wants a piece of you? Yeah, you know, it's really difficult. And even to this day, it is still hard to say no, because I'm a natural people pleaser. Um, it's just who I am. I got asked the question last week, actually, by uh, another podcast, Tony Nash from Booktopia said, you know, we we're talking about burnout. And he said, so have you changed the make and model of that car? And I said, no, we don't get to do that. We are who we are. You know, I am the red Ferrari. I just need to drive her differently. I just need yeah. to 
to look after her differently. It's like being a people pleaser. If you're a people pleaser, you're a people pleaser. So we need to learn how to put those boundaries and how to say no. And it still becomes really difficult for me. You know, I, I, I still am inclined to go, yes, I can do that. Yes, I can help you there. Yes, I can do that dinner. That's fine. I'll go to the other one as well. But we have to say no because it just doesn't serve us. Yeah, and and it is, and I mean, you're more self-aware though now. Absolutely, and I think that's the sign. You know, I was talking to someone today about you know what what makes a great leader, and I think self-awareness is right up there. You know, we we need to be aware. We need to we need to know our values. We need to know who we are. We need to know our purpose. You know, we need to spend more time on ourselves as leaders. And I believe we become more intelligent. We become more self-aware. We become more value valued, and then we add more value to other people. And that's what a leader does. Oh, look, couldn't agree more. <laughs> you know, I'm saying to someone today, leadership, you know, we we're talking about all of these things about what makes a great leader. And, you know, I was talking about a whole lot of them. You know, you've got to have strong values and you've got to have a clear vision and you've got to lead with courage and you've got to put others first and you've got to lead by example. And they're like, wow, holy crap, that's a lot of work. And I said, it is. It's a hell it of a lot of work. Yeah. Leadership is hard, but it's yeah. worth it. Yeah. I think, you know, add to that knowing yourself. Absolutely. It's the number one, you know, we can't lead anyone else until we're leading in our own lives. And that's in all parts of our lives. You know, we, we just can't lead other people until we know who we are and how we're leading in our own lives. Couldn't agree more. Let's dig into kindness and leadership. So this is something that I haven't, you know, I'd, you don't see these words really going together. And a lot of, you know, what we see in corporate Australia doesn't really represent itself as leadership and kindness. Mm, yeah. Talk me through that. Yeah. I, it, I like it. I like it. I think it's great. It's a big one and it's one I'm very, very passionate about and it's one I've been living in for a very long time. And, you know, I talk, Sam, about this old era of leadership, which is about dictatorship and, mm. and you know, directive and, um, and authority and power. And if you Google the word leadership, they're all the words that come up. I much prefer my own definition of leadership and I much prefer words like kindness and authenticity and compassion and humility and trust and collaboration. And my definition of leadership is one life impacting another in a positive way. That's it. That's my definition. And I talk about kindness as the new superpower for leaders. And I really believe that. A lot of people believe kindness or associate kindness with weakness. I say I associate kindness with courage. And in fact, I think kindness is not only the new superpower, it's actually our new currency. And when I talk about that, I mean a currency of trading for loyalty, for high performance, for trust, for cooperation, for connection. And I believe the leaders that bring kindness into their organisation are the ones that are going to survive and thrive. And I always have to qualify that by saying kindness does not mean you can fly under the radar. Kindness does not mean we don't have honest discussion. Kindness doesn't mean there are no boundaries or rules. Mm. Kindness doesn't mean you can be an underperformer. Kindness doesn't mean any of that. Kindness means we have open, honest conversations. Kindness means I'm going to push you beyond where you think you can go because I know you can get there. Kindness is going to be I'm going to I'm going to set boundaries and guidelines and stretch targets for you because I'm being a kind leader. I want you to grow and thrive and shine. So there is a very big difference with the way this old 
era of leadership sees kindness and this new era of leadership. And it's, as I said, one I've been working in for a long time and one I'm encouraging organisations to move into. I believe people are our power. You know, we, we have a lot of discussion around profit versus people or people versus profit, which one comes first. And I absolutely believe that people with passion and purpose equals profit. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You you know, if you if you trust a leader, if you respect a leader, if you you know, enjoy working with a leader, you're going to do better. You absolutely give them your blood, sweat and tears and in turn that helps the organization move forward. Um, so they're the leaders people want to work for these days. And, and I think that it, it won't just become a, um, it, it shouldn't be a, uh, you know, something that's out of the ordinary. It actually should be the new rule. It, it has to be the new superpower. Mm, I agree. Um, tell me about the mentoring program, Mentor Me. Yeah, mentally, I'm thoroughly, I mean, I've got so many balls in the air at the moment. Um, As I said, when I finished in my role as CEO at Sports Girl in March 2020, um, I was going to take a year off. I was going to do some travel. I was going to spend some time at my holiday house in my garden. I was going to finish writing my book, Leader by Design, and COVID hit. So I was just very happy, um, you know, in my own surrounds and, and, and loving being with my family. But what happened was I started to get all of these phone calls from a lot of women that I'd worked with, um, both past, uh, you know, and and present, and also um, women I didn't even know, I'd never met before, and there was this real need for support. Um, and I know the value, and and you also know the value of having a mentor and role models and and coaches and and around you. And I've been fortunate to have that in my life, but you know, not everyone can have that. Not everyone can afford them or or even know where to find them. So I. I started Mentor Me Women uh, and Mentor Me because I do organisations that have men as well, but um, where women come together in small groups and it's a four-week mentoring program. It's one hour a week um, for four weeks and we focus on um, a lot of the topics in my book. So week one is the value of values and know yourself. Week two is the value of purpose and leadership. Week three is the value of confidence and week four is the value of self, which talks about life in balance, goals and boundaries and you know with when we think about some of those topics we think oh they're pretty easy topics can I tell you they're not easy topics Mm. because we don't spend time working on ourselves we just don't so they're all the foundations of the house and we work and build really really solid foundations so that we can build this amazing house on top that is going to weather any storm that comes our way because I promise you there is a storm around the corner, always. You know, the one thing yeah. we can be certain of is uncertainty. So unless we have those really solid foundations of who we are um, and what our purpose is and why we get up and what puts a fire in our belly and why we make decisions, um, you know, life isn't going to be as fulfilling as we deserve it to be. So I work with a lot of women on, on a lot of those, those um, you know, topics and challenges. Yeah, look, I mean, it's great work. And, you know, you do need those people supporting you who've done it before, who've had the experience, um, who can, you know, give often, you know, when you're in a difficult time, your emotions play into it. They can just, you know, we tell ourselves loads of stories, et cetera. It's just having that person that's been there, done it before and can give you some guidance and say, okay, well, here are some options. 
Yeah, absolutely. And some strategies and, and just, you know, having that person, sometimes you need to hold you accountable because we can very easily not hold ourselves accountable. So mentor me holds people accountable to make some change in their lives. You know, it's interesting you talk about that story. We tell themselves one of my um one of my weeks, as I said, of mentor me is the power of real confidence. And when I started writing my book and when I started writing the mentor program, I didn't have that in there. And I actually didn't realize what a big challenge this was. And I probably because I had my sports girl world and all of my beautiful sports girl people work for me for so long. Um, And I talk in my book that I either had my confidence blinkers on or I did a damn good job of building confidence with other people. Um, But, you know, it, it is a real challenge. The stories we tell ourselves, the fears that we have the myths around confidence. So I work a lot with women and there's lots of tips in my book on how to build real confidence. If we can have women, you know, living with this real confidence, we are going to have more women at the helm in the future. And that is the goal. Oh, 100%. And I think it's, you know, it's understanding your value and understanding the value that you bring and being a confident around that. And, you know, you just, you can't pull your big girl pants on and, um, you know, act confident because, you know, people can pick up on that sort of incongruent behaviour. So it's about, yeah, building, you know, those sort of micro steps, trying Mm -hmm. stuff. Absolutely. Confidence I talk about is like a muscle. Mm. Um, the more you use it, the stronger that muscle gets. So um, you're absolutely right. We we can't fake confidence. You know, the, there's there's these things around fake it till you make, make it. it. That's yeah. not a strategy. That is a very short-lived, um, you know, very destructive way of living your life because it is going to come unstuck at some point. So we don't need to, fa- you know, sometimes we might have to fake it, but but that is not a strategy. It is about building and really strengthening that confidence muscle. And the more we use it, the stronger it gets. The more the more confident people we surround ourselves, you know, I think confidence is contagious. You know, when we are around confident people and positive people, we feel positive and confident ourselves. And the opposite is also true. When we're around negative people, um, we start to feel negative and and get brought down in that. So there's a lot of tips around building confidence in my book. And one of them is surround yourself with confident people. It's really important and positive people. Yeah, I loved the two-page piece, you know, real confidence starts with you. A confident woman uses positive words. You know, two pages with all around confidence in the kind of middle of the book. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Cole, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, Jump on my website, um, colleencalendar.com.au or jump on my Instagram, which is, again, just colleen underscore calendar, or I'm on LinkedIn. So um, reach out. Um, I run a Mentor Me four-week program every month and I also do one-on-one coaching with women um, and I work with lots of organisations and people from all different walks of life. You know, people ring me and say, Cole, do you just work with executives? And I work with people from everywhere. I work with executives. I work with startups. I work with mums going back to work. You know, I work with um, graduates. Um, So people from all walks of life, we all have to focus on self. It doesn't matter where we are on the journey. There is, uh, you know, there is never enough time, um, you know, and we need to focus on self. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Cole, so much for being in the show. And, um, yeah, all the best with the book. I highly recommend it. Um, Grab yourself a copy, everyone. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me and great to chat, Sam. Cheers. Thank you.